Welcome to Hummingbird, conversation about identity, Celtic and Métis, healing and wellness, the spirit of place, and the pull of mystery. We linger in conversation about things at the center of our creative work and life. We respectfully acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the treaty and traditional territories of many nations, including the Anishinaabeg, the Michisagig Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Wendat peoples. These lands are now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples, and are covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit and the Williams Treaty, treaties to peaceably share and protect this land through friendship and respect. We thank those who have cared for this land, and we are grateful for the opportunity to live here and connect through conversation. Last week, we were talking about snow, which naturally led us to talk about family. I'm being ironic. It's not a natural connection, <laughs> but that's, that's where we yes. landed, which led us to thinking, oh, we seem to always end up with family and talking about ancestors. And so today we're going to start probably given the amount of ideas we pulled together on this this morning, we'll probably do a couple of shows on this. And today we'll we'll really have a look at, at your work in a close way, thinking about how ancestors and family weave throughout your writing and imagination and creative work. Yeah, thanks, Jessica. I, I know we, we realized that there's so much here and we'll just pace it out accordingly and, and let the pacing do its thing to tell us how we unfold what we need to unfold. So thanks again, listeners, for joining us. We're just so delighted and we so appreciate all your notes and your enthusiasm and, and subscribing. So those of you out there who haven't subscribed, you can also subscribe as well too. So different ways that you That's can keep right. in touch with us. Yeah, go to the hummingbirdpodcast.com to the episodes page. It will have a link in the top right hand corner where you can put your email in there and get emailed every time there's a new episode. I want to start with asking a fairly big question. The words ancestors and family, like in terms of defining them, who are the ancestors and or who are family? What do these two words mean for you? That's a really good question and really interesting words. And there's something really, I don't even know exactly how to say what I want to say, but there's something so almost ghostly about the word ancestors versus family. When I think of family, I think of concrete people in your now and people even if they aren't in your now family members who are around you in some way in the living space and when i think of ancestors i think of the the ghostly space the the people who are no longer with us so when i think of family for me i've had both as we all have but i've had both with two in particular that did a transition for me when i was much younger so they became ancestors quite early in, in my, my time here. So, and, I, and that, of course, is my parents who, who died when I was just coming into my own self, just barely out of my teens when my mother died, and then early 20s when my father died. So they did go from family to ancestors, which I find really interesting in thinking about your, your question, because I think they, 
encapsulate both spaces and did this transition. And only when they did become ancestors did they come into my writing. Only my writing came into my world when they became ancestors because they are why I write and how I was led to writing because it was all connected to loss and grief and trying to find my way in this space. And through the writing, they worked into what became my first poems. So it's kind of spiraling when I think about ancestors and family and my parents and my writing and my journey. And I remember thinking when I first started, I mean, I had no idea about the writing process. I remember thinking, well, I'll write one poem about my mom and then I'll write one poem about my dad. And I guess that's it. That'll be the end. And here I am, decades later, still writing about them. And I've now reached the age, just now, where I've outlived them both. This is really new territory. And I think for writers, too, we are excited and often nervous about new territory, but excited in a way that we know there's potential for learning, for growing, and for the creative process to emerge and to be part of our journey in new ways. So interesting for me to see what will unfold because I know they will keep working into my imagination. I let them. I don't think that, oh, I've written about them. I can't do that anymore. I allow that to be as natural as part of my own process as as breathing is. Does that help to answer your question, Jessica? It does. And it made me think of a third word to bring into this spiral, the word relations. And I think back to some of the work that I do through my day job as a principal of Indigenous education. And when we think about the worldview of many First Nation, Métis communities are the ones that I would know about best. And the idea of all my relations, it extends to our family, our friends, our ancestors. It extends even to our relations with everything in the natural world and what's around us. I couldn't help but go there in my head when you were talking that thinking about its relations and it's all about relationship. The word ancestor to me feels like there's a bit of distance to it, that there's a there, like you mentioned, the mystery that it's not necessarily someone who I have easy access to, but there's a spiritual quality or a spirit quality that is in the in the air. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 comes in. I find sometimes it's caught me by surprise when I've written poems about my grandparents or great grandparents, and I thought, where did that come from? I feel that there's like an otherworldliness to it, and that to me is that connection with the ancestors and the family. For me, is always a bit more immediate. It's someone with whom I have that intimate knowledge. It's somebody who is part of my everyday, who is in part of my my here and now would be who I would consider as being part of that that I, that extension of family because there's an immediacy with the word family. I feel that looking at words and the words that we use to describe things, especially when we're looking at relationships, we can learn from them. So when we look at these three words, family, ancestors and relations what do they tell us about the type of connection the depth of the connection and and how it moves in and around or through through our life when we're working on our our creative work because creativity is all about relationship too it mm-hmm. makes sense to me that those people or those spirits that 
we can sense come through that creativity because it's relationship, it's relationship, it's relationship. And when I think about the relationships that I have still with my parents, and also looking back to what I took from those relationships when they were alive and what I still take from them, through my writing, they've kind of entered into two streams of what gifts they have given to me as a writer. From my mother, it was silence and valuing silence. And from my father, it was words, music. It was a voice in some way. My dad was the talker in the family, the storyteller. He could have been an actor. He just had that presence. And my mother had this really beautiful, quiet energy about her. And it wasn't a, a passive energy. It was a presence. So wow. and she did a lot of making with her hands. So her hands communicated so much. And of course, when hands are making, they're generally quiet. So whether it was sewing or baking, well, playing tennis, you'd hear the whack of the, of the ball <laughs> and the racket. But, but there was a silence of her voice. But her body was moving and creating. It makes me think of this scene that I have in my novel, Quarry. And it's interesting, too, because both of their spirits are part of that book. And it is fiction. It needed to be fiction. It wasn't going to be a memoir. It didn't want to be a memoir. But there are certain elements of truth within it that I have taken from my life that have become part of Quarry. And my mother's quiet and her silence and her making is part of it. In this scene that I'll just read now, I'll let the scene do the talking. So this is from Quarry. Mum's silence wasn't calculating or withholding like Nana's. It never made you nervous. Being nervous meant you made mistakes, what Nana wanted. Mum's was an accepting silence. When we lived in Grimsby, while Mum sewed in the sewing room, I played with my dolls and stuffed animals on my bedroom floor. While Mum baked cookies in the turquoise kitchen, I sat at the kitchen table drawing birds and flowers. We shared our silence, immersed in our separate worlds. We didn't intrude on each other. And when the time for showing came, look, Mum, look. She was there to see. She was present. We understood the showing part wasn't where the deepest pleasure lived. That was in the doing and making. Thank you so much for that, Catherine. And I found it so powerful to hear that the lesson your mom taught was about silence. And the way that this passage enters in, mom's silence wasn't calculating or withholding like Nana's, says so much. And it's the whole paragraph goes through and describes to me the silence that I feel when I'm creating. Mm. And I wonder that closeness that we can feel sometimes to people we knew. We try to sometimes in our lives recreate the conditions of, for which we, we were with them to feel that closeness. But I, I couldn't help that last sentence. The first sentence and the last sentence were so telling to me. The last one, that was in the doing and making. It makes me think of the creative process and the silence that comes from that and that falling into flow. Whether you are with family and engaging in an activity that you love and falling into that flow, or whether you're writing in community and falling into flow, there's an exchange of energy that happens 
between you or among you where you feel the presence of the other person and it offers so much in what might appear to the eye to be an empty moment energetically the presence is is very fulfilling yeah thank you for bringing up that presence in that way too that the creative process is is part of that exchange and how silence of course has different registers to it and that silence also is something I know in my life, there's a comfort that I can have with only certain people in a place of silence, because I just feel that there's a trust that comes with silence. And we often feel we have to fill it and make space to fill that silence. And only when we're worth people that I think we can feel more of our authentic selves can the silence actually be part of that space at least for me and I find that to be a rare thing something I guess I protect as well because silence is so important to me I feel like silence is so much part of my own journey as a writer and listening to that silence and being part of the silence almost you enter into it as a way of your body your mind and I guess almost like your your brain waves entering into that space. I mean, I know people talk about meditation and walking and, and silence is so much a part of that. A way in, that's just not something that I can turn the switch and say, yep, here's my silence time. <laughs> Going in, it's it's almost like a, an animal in the woods who sees you before you see it. And in that quiet moment of connecting It appears and you have an exchange and you know something special has happened. And then you move on with your day and you know that silence is part of who you are inside now too. It's a knowing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. This deep knowing that can come through that silence. And I was sharing with you before we started recording today that the other night I was making dinner and I went into my bedroom and looked out the window and as it swooped in, it swooped in and landed on the branch out my back window. Right in my backyard was this most beautiful, it was called a barred owl. I looked it up after to find which kind of owl it was. It sat there for at least five minutes, maybe 10. And I stood at the window and we made eye contact and just looked at each other. And it was the most incredible moment of stillness and presence that I've felt in a long time. It was just so such a profound and beautiful moment. If I come back to the piece that you wrote, there's nothing calculating or withholding in that silence. It didn't make me nervous. We didn't intrude on each other. We just shared our silence immersed in our separate worlds. And like one of our previous episodes where we talked about the poem with the snow where the glass window was separating mm-hmm. the rose and the snow, it was like this, the window was the glass was separating us. You've got this nice line in here too. She was present. And we we understood that the showing part wasn't where the deepest pleasure lived. And in, in the moment with the owl, There was part of me that wanted to run and go get my phone and take a picture of it. And I had this moment of realization, but that's not where the deepest pleasure is, is having Mm -hmm. an owl picture to share with people. It's being in this moment right now and engaging in this eye contact because I don't understand it. I don't know why it's happening, but in this moment, it feels so right. And so to me, that 
that passage that you shared with us really does talk about how we engage with our family when we have a healthy relationship with our family. We feel comfortable enough to sit in the silence and to be present with each other. And it's the same way we can engage with our ancestors is sitting in the silence and being open to that presence of mind, of spirit, of knowing. And it's that that knowing that is consistent. Yeah, oh, I love that, that what you just described there, that encounter with the, the owl and the knowing that would come with how just letting that moment be was what you needed to do and recognizing that because we are pulled to just grab the phone and capture the moment. Um, <laughs> and that that's like, I think would have broken the silence, broken the exchange. And there's a letting go that you had to do to enter into it even more deeply. And then in entering into it more deeply, I like to think that the owl is doing the same. It's not flying off yet. It's still there having an encounter with you. So it's a, it's an exchange. We know that they don't just happen just like that. So they are gifts and they are opportunities. I think about there's so many poems about animal encounters. I think it's it's just one of those things. Maybe we'll look at an episode. I can think of some of the poems. I think Robert Frost has a poem and many others too. I think of the encounter that Elizabeth Bishop has with a fish. And I say I, the, the speaker in the poem, <laughs> but the poem is written <laughs> by Bishop, right? It just feels like I, I know I've had encounters with deer. Deer are really special to me. And Caitlin Maharg, the protagonist in Quarry, actually has an encounter with a deer. And she, at this point, has lost her mother and does see her mother in the deer. And so mm -hmm. animals can be messengers, I think, as well. And also spaces for us to encounter the loss, even if it's what we might call magical thinking or whatever term you want to, to coin it. But that's not the point. The point also is acknowledging the beauty of, of nature, as you mentioned earlier in, in our, our chat about how that is a relationship for us as well. And being still can really open that up and how just being aware things will come to you. So, so much in that exchange. And I just think how beautiful that is. And was that your first time seeing a barred owl too? It was. I have never, I've lived in this house on this property for over 12 years and I've never seen one on my property before. And I, I don't believe I've ever actually even seen one. And I'm one of those people that every time I look out the window, I hope for something miraculous to happen <laughs> every single time, <laughs> even right now. Well, it paid off, Jessica. <laughs> it did. It did. And then one day it happened and the timing was just so good. It was just what I needed. Just to bring it back to our, our focus on, on the ancestors and on family and the way it, in your work, how your parents move their way through. I just love how you do that. And I've been following your your writing since the beginning. It's just been a beautiful thing to watch that relationship with them deepen over time as you've engaged in different writing projects and and what a beautiful thing that they're there with you as you write and showing up on the page in that way how does that feel well it also feels much like that encounter with the owl that it's just a gift that can come and how there's energy between that exchange and how it is a poem in a way isn't it my parents, I, I write about them in a more direct manner rather than through fiction or through poetry, although poetry is part of my memoir, Ether. So Ether and Out-of-Body Lyric is the full title. It explores many things, including my cancer journey and how when I did get 
diagnosed with breast cancer. I was the same age my mother was when she died of the disease. So she accompanied me on the journey through memories and visitations and dreams. It's interesting because some of the material that comes up in other pieces of poems or even quarry carries in new ways, but also in patterning ways. So I'll just read this little excerpt now because it connects to the quiet again. This is from Ether, an out-of-body lyric. Mom, you taught me to be quiet, to hold silence like a gift, to listen before speaking my thoughts. Yet you kept so much inside. All I have is the language of your hands, the ringlet curls in my hair, the pink tutu, the spring forest green curtains and calico gingham quilts. That sweater you purchased during your last trip across the border to Buffalo before the ambulance took you away to die. Pneumonia, new moan, yeah. Was it worth it? The sweater I can never wear, unwrap the day after your death because it's covered with grief. The holly rimmed gift card with your shaky handwriting. For Kathy, love mom. I can't throw out the only writing I have from you. Wow. So we started with that comfort of presence and the silence that offers comfort. And to me, this passage really heightens the way that silence can also offer pain. I hadn't actually realized that. It's so interesting when you kind of... <laughs> I, I mean, as writers too, we, we do our thing, we, we, we let our work out there, and often we don't revisit it. So it's interesting to sort of see new things. And in the comparison, I've never actually compared those two passages before. So thank you, Jessica. You're welcome. Yeah, so it's got like the counterpoint there between the comfort of, of that silence. And then in the second passage, it's memory that's left. And it's not her actual presence. It's you taught me to be quiet. This is more reflective in its nature yeah. to hold, to hold, to listen before speaking my thoughts. And then it's those flashes of image that we have that's left of a person. So often we we lose the sound of their voice is one of the f- first things yes. in my mind mm-hmm. that goes, or we lose yeah. the smell unless it was a they wore a particular soap or something that it's really the soap that reminds us of the person. But in terms of what they actually sounded like or smelt like those types of things I, I find can leave but those images of people we hold on to them like these little like almost like a collage in our minds mm-hmm. of pieces of things that are are zoomed in or zoomed out on and that's what you've got here is this lovely collage of images that are left filling the silence and then they're just making the silence into me when I read this it makes that silence feel bigger and bigger and bigger and that's another reality of, of being human is sometimes the silence offers us comfort and sometimes it's it's scary it's daunting it's overwhelming it hurts and really it's just how we're our perspective how we're looking at it and our frame of mind in that space because the space hasn't changed so like when I think about it I could be sitting on my couch <laughs> <laughs> and sitting where I have the the comfort and the lovely presence. And I could also be sitting on my couch and, and somebody could still be in the room, but you can have that, that emptiness and you can have the pain that comes within that silence. You've got this line here about you kept so much inside. Like when I think about that, the pain of a silence, when you're, you're with somebody who doesn't say what's on their mind yes. and yet you can feel that there's something there and, mm-hmm. and it's not taken out to have a look at. Family 
ancestors, relations. It's not always easy. It's not always just this is a lovely place to be. Mm -hmm. It's got a balance, I find, I hope. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up. It makes me think of the other side of silence and the the underside of silence and the buried quality of of not speaking truth, not speaking about things that then become secrets. And then we've talked also about secrets before too and how they have their own presence and secrets always come out. And there, there, I think, too, is the line of ancestors, how there's generally someone who I think of us, Jessica, as, I think of us as seekers and as, yes. uh, people who want to to look into the story and, and, and not away from it and are intrigued by even the darker sides as, as we are the light. And, and through that as well, without giving the game away, I do explore secrets that my parents both had and what are part of ether and drive ether too as sort of an undercurrent through the exploration of my journey through cancer. But there's also other stories embedded within and through the writing of it, how I think of a spiral or an unraveling and how even the writing had its own truth and own revelation for me. So it's through the writing that I actually came to some truths, which is really interesting when I think about it and putting the pieces together because of you said the collages or the the way images and memories can also lead us to new ways of knowing the past. I think of how detectives must work and and, and putting pieces together to to find answers to what it is that they're they're seeking and how those pieces do have energy and connections that can lead us to know more in a way that we wouldn't have if we hadn't sort of been quote, investigated these pieces and considered them in new ways and thinking about, I'll just read this short passage now, connecting pain and silence. And again, this is connecting to my mother. It's from Ether. She pained her silence into beauty, pain with each smack on the tennis court, pain with each needle pushed through fabric, the pain pinned to her soul, threaded with the eye of perfection. Yet somehow, as those cancer cells spread, light grew within her, So, of course, she returned as light to dad and as a feeling of purity to me. Oh, my gosh. That is just so beautiful. I love how that piece ends. It wasn't easy how it started, but I I like where we where we got with that and the collection of pieces that you shared today really point to in, in any relationship we have with anybody. It's about what we're revealing and what we're concealing. Mm-hmm. And how over time those things are shifting in terms of where we're what we're letting out and what we're keeping in. And I remember learning that for the first time at a writing workshop where we were looking at how to create character and how to to do dialogue and to think about subtext. When to do that when you're writing dialogue, it isn't about what they're saying, it's about what they're not saying. Yes. And so I could really feel that come through in the way that you've selected these these pieces and kind of links back to the idea we talked about last week about how I was sharing how with my grandmother, I, I only know her for the most part through all these little pieces I've had to put together. We can know someone well that 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 is in our family and yet not know them at all, which is yeah. fascinating. Right it is too. Fascinating. It really is. Because of that relationship between reveal and conceal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how much the concealing can have its own energy. And we pick it up, I think, too. And I'll just end with this, Jessica. I know that we're probably coming near our end. I just 
love our, our chats and I can't believe how fast they go when we in, are in this space. There's a part now in Ether where the speaker, who is me in this case, is, is speaking to her therapist. And this is what her therapist says to her now. She says, you have taken the best from them both. The legacy they had to offer you, your mother, the seamstress and crafter, she gave you matter through making. Your father, the talker, he gave you words through air and the poetry. Matter and air, words, craft and art into matter, and a poet survives coming out of ether. So we can survive, and there is a way out through story, through understanding silences, understanding places between, and also not understanding and letting the mystery go as well. Thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself with us here today. And I look forward to continuing the conversation on family, ancestors, and relations. I do too, Jessica. And already I can see the way that our writing is speaking to each other. And I'm excited (laughs) to explore that next. And thank you for for all your wonderful contributions with insights to things that I hadn't considered in, in my own work. So thank you. You're welcome. Take care. Bye, everyone. Catherine Graham is an award-winning writer and creative writing teacher living in Toronto. Jessica Outram is a Métis writer and educator, Coburg's fourth poet laureate, and assistant principal of Indigenous education. The music has been generously provided by Shannon Linton. Connect with us online at thehummingbirdpodcast.com. Hey!